0: 1 Chronicles, chapter 17, verses 1 to 16. Now when David lived in his house, David said to Nathan the prophet, Behold, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. And Nathan said to David, Do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. But that same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan go and tell my servant David thus says the Lord it is not you who will build me a house to dwell in for I have not lived in a house since the day I brought of Israel up to this day but I have gone from tent to tent, from dwelling to dwelling in all places where I have moved with all Israel Did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you and I will make for you a name like the name of the great ones of the earth and I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more and violent men shall waste them no more as formerly as. As formerly, from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel and I will subdue all your enemies moreover I declare to you that the Lord will build you a house when your days are fulfilled to walk with your fathers I will raise up your offspring after you one of your own sons and I will establish his kingdom He shall build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. I will not take my steadfast love from him, as I took it from him who was before you, but I will confirm him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words, and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, "Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house, that you have brought me thus far?" Yes. Yeah, so last week we began a um,
1: new series, uh, asking this question: What kind of house? will you build for me? The series is called What Kind of House? And the question is taken from Isaiah 66, verse 1. And the question is God asking his people, what kind of house are you going to build for me? And it's in reference to the temple, often called the house of God. Uh, But we also saw, as we came through uh, 1 Peter, in our series in 1 Peter, that that Peter, he uses a lot of different uh, pictures and images from the Old Testament, he refers to us, the people of God, the church, who are in Jesus, who have received Jesus as a spiritual house. And he draws this line between what the temple was in the Old Testament and what we are called to be today, we the church. And so in this series we are both asking that question, what kind of house are we going to build? Um, it's an important question because I don't think you can, you can't start building anything until you know exactly what you're building. You can't lay a single brick or stone until you know what it is you're building. So we're asking that question and we're zooming in on that picture of Peter's, of uh, the church as temple. You know, and all those things that the, the temple was in the Old Testament, where the presence of God is where the, the centre of worship is. The church, not a building, but we, the church, are called to be that. And, uh, and so that's kind of what we're unpacking, that's what we're looking at. And we're asking the question, what does it mean for us here? What's it going to mean for, for Freedom Church to be uh, God's house? And what is it going to look like on the ground for us here? So that's what we're looking at this morning. So we saw last week that the temple was not an end in itself. The temple uh, was always a signpost to what Jesus would do. There's something else that's coming, the temple says, that is going to fulfil what I'm modelling. So in the temple there are sacrifice and priests. And all of that shows, you know, the sacrifice is there to bring to, um, to To make right with God our sin. To cover our sin. That's what sacrifice is for in the Old Testament. And the priests are there to represent God to us and us to God. But in Hebrews we're told, the writer of the Hebrews is saying, all of these things were a shadow of the things to come. There's going to be a full fulfilment of the temple and sacrifice and priesthood. And it was going to be fulfilled in Jesus Both priests and sacrifice are fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus is both the priest who represents us to God and God to us and is the sacrifice who is bridging the gap, who is covering our sins. Hebrews says once and for all. In the Old Testament they did it again and again and again and all of that went to show that it never really did anything. But now Jesus lays down his life and then goes and sits at the right hand of the Father having done All things, having completed his purpose, and so the temple isn't about us serving God. It's not us trying to make things right with God. It's not about trying to impress God or do something impressive with what we can for God. Now we saw last week that the temple is pointing away from itself towards what towards what Jesus was going to do. What Jesus was going to do for us. It's not about what we do for Him but about what we do, about what God is doing for us. I am going to change the microphone, actually, just a bit. Um, So, the temple is, is a signpost away from itself towards what God is doing for us. In fact... And and so, what we want that to be true here at Freedom Church. So, when we first started, started the series and we looked at what kind of house are we building, the first answer to that question is well, it's one that points to Jesus. It's one that isn't making much of ourselves, but it's one that's pointing to what Jesus has done for us. Oh. There'll be lots of editing. Okay, now there's a tripping hazard. Um, So, the first answer to that question is we want to build something that points away from ourselves to what Jesus has done for us and not try to be something that is serving God in some way. In fact, the Bible makes it very clear that it is foolishness and pride to try and build something for God. You know, God who made everything. Are you going to try and build something for him? Are you going to try and impress him with your ministry or with Freedom Church and the events that we put on? God's not impressed by those things. When, when again and again the argument comes, God made everything. And so he's not served by human hands. And we're going to look at some of those in just a minute. But, but when we read the creation accounts in Genesis 1. Oh, by the way, he, almost, he also made the stars. He made all the earth and everything in it. And by the way, he made the stars as well. Probably the most understated statement in all the Bible, Genesis 1, he also made the stars. Um, But also in Job, we come to Job, and Job is there um, in the Old Testament, and people are talking, it's a big theological discussion, this is what God thinks about this, this is what God thinks about that. Suddenly God turns up and says, Hey guys, were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? Have you... Where were you when I measured the seas in the palm of my hand? Have you you measured the earth? Surely you know the answers to these questions, he says. And God, it just comes, and he flattens any case that would be made that there is something that we do that would impress him. In fact, the whole question that we're looking at in this series, Isaiah 66, what kind of house will you build for me, comes in that tone to challenge that pride, It says this, Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What house are you going to build for me? And where is the place of my rest? What are you going to build? (laughs) Heaven is my throne, the earth is where I rest my feet. What are you going to build for me? And where are you going to build it? Where, Where on earth are you going to put this thing that is going to house me? All these things my hand has made. And so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I'll look, the one who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. The, the question, what kind of house are you going to build for me, comes as a challenge. It's not a, oh, I, I, wonder, I wonder if it's going to have an ensuite or a swimming pool. It is a challenge. God is saying, what, are you, what on earth do you think you could build for me? Where are you going to build it? It's Stephen, as he's um, being tried by the, uh, the, uh, in, by the Sanhedrin after preaching the gospel. And he's a member of the early church in Jerusalem. He is brought in to answer some questions of his preaching. And he lays down that same challenge. He says, you're very proud about this temple of yours. He said, but God isn't served by human hands. He's not served by human hands. He says, and then he quotes that verse the guy's hearing it it just comes as barbs and stinging and so in the end they kill him they kill this guy because he lays down that same challenge that God lays down I will not look to the one who thinks that they can impress me by their religion and what they build I'm not going to give any gratitude to that person because I can't inhabit something that you've built Paul in Acts later in Acts uh, 17, he comes to Athens, and he's wandering around the city of Athens, and he sees that the Athenian people are very religious. There's a temple for this God, a temple for that God. He comes to a temple of the unknown God. And he begins preaching the gospel. And as he's preaching, uh, he gets invited up to the Areopagus, where they're kind of the, the intellectual elite. Um, and he comes to them, and they, say, they ask him questions about what he's saying and he says. I see you're quite religious. I notice you've got quite a few temples around. I see you're quite religious, but God isn't served by human hands. And again, he quotes this. He says, because the God who made everything, who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, is not served by human hands. And he doesn't live in temples made by man. As if he needed anything. It's the question. Paul says to the Athenians, as if he who made everything needed anything from you. He does not need anything from you. And and the challenge comes again and again. God is not going to be served by man. He will not be served by man. And that's one of the things we finished looking at last week was that actually this this is... God is, is about, he is going to come and he's going to, he's going to serve us. He's going to build something for us. The story that, that Chris just read from uh, 1 Chronicles. Here is David. He, is, he notices, I am, hang on, I'm living in a palace and God is still living in the tent that Moses built. he uh, feels a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe I should build something big and special for God. And so he goes to Nathan with his plan. This is what I want to build for God. And Nathan goes, Great, go away, build it. But then the Lord comes and speaks through Nathan to David and says, That's nice, David. Looking at David's plan, looking at over his shoulder, the blueprints that David's put together, he says, That's nice, David. But no, you're not going to build that. Let me show you what I'm going to build. And he unfurls. The blueprints of what he's going to do in the nations and in in history. And he shows him something of the story that's going to be revealed and completed in Jesus. There is going to be a king and a kingdom that endures forever. And he's going to be my son and he's going to bring peace and prosperity to the kingdom. And David, his plans, what he wanted to build for God, completely dwarfed. As he sees what God is building in, in the nations and in history. And he, and he sits down and he says in, in the same story is told in 2 Samuel chapter 7. So, uh, yeah, in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And David sits down, and he says, and he said, is this how you normally deal with men? Is this what you, how you normally deal with us? You look through scripture and you find the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, it is. He does. This is how he deals with men. He comes and he eclipses their plans with a greater plan. It's what he's going to build, what he's going to show, what he's going to do in the world. What God is building, Freedom Church, is so much bigger and so much greater than anything that we could ever do ourselves or hope for ourselves. The plans that we have, the future things that maybe in the future we're going to be doing this. God has bigger plans even than that. And so it's God who builds. we ask that question, what kind of house will you build for me? The answer is, well, actually, we're going to be We're going to be built by God. It's God who's going to build his house. It's God who builds. In Psalm 127, we're told, unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labour in vain. It's in vain, the psalmist goes on. It's in vain that you go late to bed and wake up early, eating the bread of anxious toil. No, God, it is God who builds a house. It's, it's, It's in vain. And so that... Word in, in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labour in vain, comes as both a challenge to anything that we might feel like, I can build this on my own. I can, I can do this. I'm going to build you something great, God. Step, a, step aside, watch what I'm going to build. It comes as a challenge to that. Challenge, do you think you're going to do something great in North Hole? But it also comes as a great comfort and rest in the fact that it's God who's building it. God is going to do this. God is going to put this together. Not us. It doesn't rest on us. Jesus says to Peter, doesn't he? I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In Matthew 16. I will build my church. The one who makes this claim in, in Revelation. John, uh, he sees uh, Kind of the, the curtains pulled back and he sees the great spiritual things that are happening behind history and he, he sees the, the seals and the scrolls and he says who's, who is able to complete the plans that God, has, that God has made who's going to be able to break the seal of the scroll and see all the, the plans of God rev, uh, fulfilled in our day in the, in the world, in history and he begins weeping because no one is found worthy nobody can open the scroll nobody can fulfill the plans of God and then suddenly the, 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 the elders come to him and they say, don't weep, there is one. The lamb who was slain is worthy to open the scroll. And this is Jesus who says, I will build my church. I'm worthy, I am worthy, I will build it. You can't, you're not worthy, you're not capable. I am capable, I am worthy and I'm going to do it. He says, I will build, I will build. We're told in um, Numbers chapter 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. What he promises, he will do. So when Jesus says, I will build my church, it is as good as done. I will build it. I will build my church. He's not going to, he's not, you know, when we make promises, sometimes we don't have all the information at hand. And so... God doesn't do that. God isn't, you know, I'm going to make this promise, but in, it might be that down the line there's some information, new information that I hadn't considered that comes along that makes me change my mind. Or, uh, or maybe I'm not quite honest, not sincere as I say it. No, when God makes a promise, he makes it happen. And he has said he will build his church. And he says, it is my church. My church. It's his. Peter says, as he's drawing that, us to that image of the temple, he says, you are a people after God's own possession. He takes ownership of you. He takes joy in you, pride in you. So the things that happen in North Hull, the things that happen here at Freedom Church, they're gods. They're gods to build and they're gods to enjoy. And So we don't have to uh, try and persuade God to build something great in North Hull because that's what he wants to do, because it's His, And that's what he's planned to do. We see also, don't we, that, uh, when when paul is, is paul writing to the corinthians 1 corinthians chapter 3 the Corinthian church there's been squabbling going on um that you know who's who's the leader who are we looking to for leadership and paul says you know there's some some of them saying well we we belong to apollos and we belong to paul these different guys who have ministries in their church and paul says to them who is apollos who's paul it's god who brings growth I planted, Apollos watered, but it's God who brings the growth. It's God who is building. What then, he says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants that you've heard, but it's God who's building. It's not me, but you need to look, who is speaking through me? Who is building this through me? So again and again, we see this thing, it is God who is going to build his house. It is God who is going to build his church and so we ask the question well well how does he do this how does god going to build this church we saw last week that jesus is the foundation of what god is building isn't he he's the foundation he's the cornerstone he is both the 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 firm foundation that we are built on everything we do is built on jesus and what jesus has done but he's also what everything we do points to that's what we saw last week everything is built on him and points to him And so he takes complete responsibility, as we've seen, for everything that we build, for everything that is built. He takes responsibility for it because it is his and it's pointing to him. And yet we also see, even as we look at those verses that that we've just seen, that he loves to draw his people into what he's building. God loves to draw his people into what he's doing, to be part of it and to be the means by which God is going to build his house. And you know, the Psalm 127, kind of the implication there is you know, it says, "Unless the, those who, unless the Lord builds a house, those who labor labor in vain." Well, the implication there is, well if, if God's building it, then those who work are going to be fruitful. If God is building it, then the ones who, who work alongside God are going to be fruitful. It's going to be uh, successful, it's going to be worthwhile." Jesus, when he says, "I will build my church," he's talking. About building it on Peter, he says, "Ah, "You are a rock." That's why, probably, why Peter loves this image of of us being living stones. He says, "On this rock, Peter, I will build my church." Paul and Apollos, you know, as as Paul's unpacking this with the Corinthians and saying, "You know, it's it's God who builds." Me and Apollos, we are nothing. He then goes on to say, "But we are God's fellow workers." Imagine being able to say that. I'm a co-worker with God, with what God is building. He says, you are God's field, you're God's building, but we are his fellow workers. And then he says in verse 10, um, that same passage, according to the grace that God has given me, like a skilled master builder, I laid down the foundation. He says, it is God's grace that enables me to build what I'm building. It's God who's building it. God, by his power, is is working through me to build something here. And then, of course, Jesus, as he sends his disciples, all authority has been given to me. All authority has been given to me. I'm going to build a church, therefore, go. Make disciples of all nations. And we see this outworked as we look through the gospel. We see it is the disciples who, who, in the authority of Jesus, who is building his church, go and take the gospel. And we see signs and wonders and spiritual gifts as God holds up that same promise of, I will be with you to the end of the age, at work in their ministry. And so, what does this mean for us at Freedom Church? What does it mean for Freedom Church to say, God is building his house? Well, firstly, it means we don't rely on our best ideas. We don't rely on our best ideas. We don't rely on our skills, our abilities. You know, It's possible, it's very possible, to build something that looks quite impressive to the outside world just on your skills and your abilities. The world does it all the time. Big businesses have been built by people's ability. Great charities run because of people's gifting and natural abilities and skills. You know, We could become... We, it's even possible that we become a big church that is all slick you know, with its lighting and dry ice and I could come with my slicked back hair and everything would be run so smoothly I wouldn't have to change the mic three times in the sermon and yet God wouldn't be there and it would be all in vain lest the Lord builds a house those who build it labour in vain it's all in vain if it's not what God is doing and so we don't rely on our gifts, our abilities, alone. We don't, try, we don't lean on those things. Because actually, if we do that, if we do try to lean on what we're able to do without God, then one of two things is going to happen. Either, as Psalm 127 says, we eat the bread of anxious toil. You know, We're going to bed late, waking up early, trying to do this in our own strength thinking that this is all on us to make something happen. If something's gonna, if God's going to do something in North Hull, then it's on me to make it happen. You know, to that person, prof- the prophetic words that we held and, as a church are not encouragements and promises. They are to-do lists. They are hoops to jump through. They're goals. We don't want to do that. We don't want to fall into that. Second thing that could happen is, if, you know, if we rely on our best ideas is, That we look back in years to come and say to ourselves, looking at all that God did, we say to ourselves, I did this. I did this. Well, God gives a warning to uh, his people in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8. He says this just before they they enter the land that God is giving them. He says to them, um, beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord uh, your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. The warning is that, look, I'm going to give you something great. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to fulfill promises in your day. But don't forget that it was me who did it. It's a real danger. It's a real danger that people look around themselves, having seen what God has done, and attribute it to their skill, to what they've done. I want... Right now, I just want us to look around at how empty this room is and how small we are. Really feel how small and insignificant we feel at the moment. Really remember, impress upon your heart the feeling of being in an empty room with not many people and feeling how on earth are we going to be able to reach North Hull and the nations according to what God has promised us. Remember that feeling. Remember that. Feel it. We are small. We're small. And it can feel frustrating. I feel weak and frustrated because I can't do what what God has laid in front of us to do. And yet, God says, Ask me, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. That's true. That's a promise that we're holding on to as a church. We believe that God has said to us that from North Hull we're going to reach the nations. We're going to see churches planted, we're going to see many people saved and added. Those are things that we believe in God for, and yet we feel small, and it is good to remember that feeling. You know, it encourages us. What else does it mean for Freedom Church? Well, it encourages us and releases us all to work hard and get stuck in. We're able to take bold steps because we know that it doesn't rely on us. And so we feel totally free, totally released to be bold. where we wouldn't be elsewhere we can be bold because God has said I'm going to build my church and I'm going to use you to do it so we're not worried about making mistakes we're released we can take bold steps and we can come out of our comfort zone you know as you become more and more mature as a Christian you'll find that you are out of your comfort zone for more of the time not that you're comfortable more of the time, necessarily, but that you're willing to step out of your comfort zone more and more. In fact, you know, you think, you see some Christians and you think, I don't know the last time you were in your comfort zone. That's something that we're called to and it's something we're released to be able to do because we recognize God is building his church and it's not us. And so we can be obedient. We can follow him where we wouldn't normally dare to go. Sometimes we can look at these characters in the bible and we can think these are superheroes paul he's like some super christian and he's completely different to us but actually james as he's writing to the churches at the end of his letter he says he picks out one of these heroes from scripture elijah and he says elijah was a man just like us he's just like us there was nothing special about him he was just like us and yet god used him By his prayer to to close the heavens with rain. So there was no rain. If anybody's got that gift, by the way, we could really do with it this afternoon. But it says, no, Elijah was a man just like us. So just like us, God was able to use him in a way to powerfully impact the people of his day. And so we can expect that God is going to use us like he used Elijah. He's going to use us that way. He's going to use our prayer. He's going to use our faith, us stepping out. God is going to do, he's going to build something amazing in our city in, and in the nations. And he's going to use us to do it. And we might feel small and we might feel weak. We might feel, I can't step out. I think recruitment to step and use the microphone, I don't even feel I can do that. How are you going to build something amazing in North Hull through me? And God says, I will. <laughs> You watch, I will build my church. And finally, the final thing this means for us at Freedom Church is it leads us to lean heavily on God. Again, we we feel our need very much, don't we? When we when we look at the great call that is in front of us to see many people saved and added in this in the the streets around us and in the nations and to launch church plants how on earth are we able to do that? Paul says when he's reflecting on his ministry who is sufficient for these things? who's able to do this? Paul has reached a good point there and I feel like when I remind myself of what God has called us to in, in Freedom Church I find myself asking that same question who is sufficient for this? the answer is I will build my church, says Jesus. I will build my church. He's sufficient. He's sufficient. And so we lean heavily on him. In prayer, Sarah mentioned on Friday, a number of us were praying, spent the day in prayer and fasting. Now, fasting isn't some mystical thing that somehow bends the arm of God to work for us and and powers our prayers, but it's, it's it's a physical way of showing, coming to God and saying, I need you. I need you more than I need food. So we lean on God in prayer. God, would you move mightily in our city, in our day, and in the nations? Would you build something great in Freedom Church? And it leads us to lean on him confidently, knowing that what he says, he will do. God has said, I will build my church. It is as good as done. Now, Freedom Church, I know we're going to have some incredible stories in the years to come. And I know that some of those stories are going to feel like when you're in them, they're going to feel like you're just going through the rink. <laughs> some of them are going to be hard. Sometimes it's going to be hard work. You know, we're a few weeks into this now, and I'm sure some of us are feeling well, getting up early to, to come, to set up chairs. It's just hard. It's just hard. You, God is with you. God is with us. He's building his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it.